0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our truth partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a truth partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth. And thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. Pray this sermon blesses your life. I am uh, so excited to be with you today. I missed you. I missed you so much. And I I flew all the way from Israel yesterday to be here with you today. And um, I've got a little little low end if you want to turn me down a little bit. Um, So I'm a little jet lagged, uh, but I'm anointed today. Amen. to minister and we loved Israel we loved I went with my pastor and um, I went on a trip with my pastor pastor Ivan and it was beautiful and, uh, and his family and I want to say thank you for allowing us the opportunity to go and uh, and, and be a part of that trip uh, in Israel And we are putting together a trip. How many of you would love to go to Israel with us? Come on, wouldn't that be a beautiful, I think every believer, every believer ought to go. Uh, What it did in my life and impacted my life was just amazing. Um, I wanna say thank you to all of you who give online and give throughout the week. Uh, Isn't it beautiful to see our ultrasound bus be a reality? Come on, isn't that beautiful? Um, So great. Hope you enjoyed the ministry of Pastor Chris Durso uh, that was here. I hope you enjoyed him. Pastor, uh, Pastor CJ, one of my dear friends, was here. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful word that they both brought. And I just want to say thank you for your generosity. We're, we are committed to save babies in this church, and uh, God's called us to do it. And I had a mother on Easter, actually, find me in the lobby, And she said, "Um, thank you for saying something. Thank you for what your church is doing. She said, I was contemplating. She said, I just found out I'm expecting tears running down her face. She said, I was contemplating abortion, and I'm not going to abort the baby now. Come on, another baby that was saved. Come on, don't get numb to that. Don't get numb. Never get numb. Never get numb uh, to how beautiful it is. Uh, And life is a gift from God. And I, I just cannot say thank you enough for your generosity. Um, thank you for giving to the Lord all that you do uh, in, in supporting the vision and the ministry uh, here. And we just got a video of, uh, I'm going to play it for you guys next Sunday of our, our uh, creative home. It's finished. Come on, in Guatemala, completely finished. It's beautiful. I cannot wait for you to see it. And uh, we're going to play that for you guys next Sunday and let you see and be a part of it. But I just, again, just from my heart, I want to say thank you for all of you who give online. Um, and if you want to give today, there's giving kiosk in the lobby. You can give online, however you give. I just want to take a moment. I never want to let a service go by without saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we put our hands together and celebrate our giving family and just let them know how much we love them? Come on, amen. So let's all, uh, let's declare something. I'm going to jump into the word. I feel the presence of the Lord on me. Um, and so, everybody, lift one hand. Say it like you mean it. Say, "In Jesus' name, I sow a seed of faith into good ground. Let it bless the kingdom, and let it bless my life." I rebuke every spirit of debt, lack, want, poverty, sickness, disease, low self-esteem, shyness, insecurities, infirmity, and sickness. Is illegal in my body. Cancer is illegal in my body. Depression is illegal in my mind. Anxiety and fear is illegal in my mind. I now prophesy the love of God, the peace of God, joy, health, creativity, courage, insight, revelation, thought, knowledge, influence, I prophesy all of my children, all of my grandchildren, all of my great-grandchildren will spend eternity in heaven with me in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, give God a big praise all over the house. Um, If you have your Bibles. I want you to go with me to the book of Mark. Would somebody bring me a little bottle of water, please? I typically don't need it, but I just feel I do. The book of Mark, chapter 12. Don't you love him? Yeah, don't you love him? Has he been good to you? Yeah. His presence, thank you so much. Thank you. Mark 12. Would you stand with me? Mark 12. Let's just read this together. I'm going to read from the New King James. Then one of the scribes, having heard them reason together, perceiving that he had answered them well and asked, which is the first commandment? of all. What's the greatest commandment of all? Jesus answered him. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Lord thy God. The Lord is one. And here it is, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's one. All your soul. That's two. All of your mind, that's three. And four, all of your your strength, your sustenance, your wealth, that's four. Love the Lord your God. This is the first commandment, and the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our Truth Partners. If you're interested in being a Truth Partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select Truth Partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you, it's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. So the scribe said unto him, well, teacher, You have spoken the truth. For there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all of your heart and all your understanding, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, to love one's neighbor as yourself is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus saw that he answered wisely and said unto him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. He knew how to answer a question. Father, I thank you for these few moments we get together in your presence. I ask that every person, Lord, would leave change today. Would you say that with me? Just say, God, change my heart. Speak to my heart. Soften my heart. To receive your word. In Jesus' name. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I love you. I love you. Did I tell you I love you? I love you. I want you to know it. I want you to be told. Um, I've never preached what I'm about to preach today. Um, And Jonas, don't go far. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say the greatest achievement, no, no, that meant like stay there. No, you gotta stay there. That meant, I'm sorry, I love you. I want you to stay close to me. Um, The greatest achievement of the Christian life, I mean, if you wanna achieve some things out of life. I wanna achieve some things out of life. The greatest, and hear what I'm about to say. The greatest achievement of the Christian life is that there would be a constant communication with the Lord, where you are talking to God and God is talking to you. That is gonna be your greatest achievement, not how much money you make, not how great your business becomes, not how successful you are in terms of the world's standards. Your greatest achievement as a believer, i don't know if you know, you're first a believer, you're first a citizen of the kingdom. Your greatest achievement is that He walks with me and He talks with me and I hear His voice. David said. I respect your words and value your words more than food. That for you to be silent to me is literal hell on earth. That the intimacy in my relationship with you means more to me than anything in my life. That ought to be our greatest achievement of every believer. And we just read basically the apex of the Christian life. The apex of the Christian life is to live a life in his presence and a life at rest with him so that all these other things that we're warring against and fighting against literally would die inside of us. And I think the more I spend time with him, I'm realizing uh, day by day that God is so much uh, not interested or he is not wanting to add assignments to our life but he's actually wanting to subtract things from our life. That I notice when you don't spend time with Jesus, you start adding a lot of things to your life. And I notice the closer you get to him, a big part of a relationship with God is not him adding, but him subtracting getting rid of things that you value that he does not value. Things that you give your time to that he doesn't want you to give your time to. Things that you think are important that he does not find important because he is a consuming fire. And the Bible describes him and it says his eyes are like fire. It's because that's who he is. He is a consuming fire. The Bible says that the eyes are the windows of the soul, that if you want to know who somebody is, look in their eyes. If you want to know who Jesus is, he is a consuming fire. And the closer you get to him, the more he will burn up. Things in your life that are not like him. encounters you with the reality of his presence. He is in the business of removing things off your plate. And he is a consuming fire and he burns up basically everything but himself. And so the question is, what is left? Simple. What's left is him. Because God knows your heart. See, the one thing about God's presence is you can't hide motive from God. What do you want and why do you want it? It is, Is it about him? Or are we trying to prove something to somebody who didn't believe in us? somebody who left us, somebody who walked out on us. We have to make church more and more about his presence because everything else has an expiration date, including me. it's not about a personality. It's not about a person. It's not about picking a church based on a person or Pastor Jonathan. Or I'm not going, if Pastor Jonathan's not preaching, or I'm going to that church because I like that, that person or that preacher. Or I want pastor to pray for me. I want this person to pray for me because I want their mantle. The only mantle you should ever want is one made out of wood. Which is a cross. That's why Jesus said, pick up your your cross and follow me. And he's a consuming fire of our opinions. I people got some. He's a consuming fire of our opinions and our own personal theology. 2000 years ago, Pontius Pilate asked the question, what is truth? And they're still asking it to this day. Because past generations always believed that we went to an outside source for truth. We went to a source outside of ourselves for truth, absolute truth. Mainly, we believed the Bible, God. That's how we determined truth. That's how we determined morality what was moral and immoral, what was right, what was wrong. We went outside of ourselves. We looked at the Word of God. We asked God. We didn't consult ourselves for what was truth. But a new study from the Cultural Resource Center at Arizona Christian University says 58% of Americans no longer believe in objective truth or morality. 58%. They believe that truth comes from the inside and not an external source. That instead of saying, well, I look to the Word of God or I look to God, they they say it's up to the individual to decide their own truth. And that was shocking. What was even more shocking is when they said that evangelicals are almost um, as likely to reject absolute moral truth. They said 46% of evangelicals did not believe there is absolute truth. 46% of evangelicals. Well, I just think in my heart. Well, in my heart, I think this is my truth. The Bible says the heart is wicked. Who, who even knows how wicked it is? And God wants us to think, not just feel. Isaiah 118 says, God says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Romans 12 says, do not conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We live in a world where men identifying as women, women identifying as men, men ruining women's sports, little children being indoctrinated in our schools, their own bodies being manipulated in an attempt to change their sexual orientation. Companies trying to benefit from it, like Nike and Bud Light. Even our schools, we have teachers indoctrinating our children saying that parents should stay out of it. The parents should not stay out of it. Those are our children. You didn't birth that child, you didn't raise that child. That's not your child, it's not America's children, that's my child. And the reality is this is all a search, this is a generation, hear me young people, this is a generation searching for God all of this all of this sexual orientation and gender identity is a generation of young people searching for god but they're being given wrong answers and if i have surgery it'll be fixed and if i take these hormones it'll be fixed and if i do this it'll be fixed and 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 and, and the reality is there's It's not about searching for something. It's about searching for someone. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. We have to live a life that models Jesus so that people in your life would be more aware of Jesus than they are of you. We have to have his value system. And the only way to do this is literally through the scriptures. Because the great achievement, the great, the great goal of the Christian life is to just know Jesus, to love Jesus. Romans 8, 18 through 30, write it down, says, we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, he predestined and he also called whom he called, he justified whom he justified, those he glorified. But look at verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined and conformed into the image of his son, that we ought to look like Jesus, act like Jesus, sound like Jesus, talk like Jesus. My, one of my daughters, Victoria, we always tell her she's like Jesus because she is so much like Jesus. <laughs> because she's patient and she's kind. She like lives the fruit of the spirit. She loves Jesus. She came to us um, last year and she, she had told us and I don't want to go into this too much because I'll start weeping but she told, she's like I saw Jesus she told us she saw Jesus and she didn't know how to process it she's seen Jesus I think three times and, it, and she start, when she starts talking about it, she starts weeping uncontrollably and uh we got her a little Jesus doll for Easter. She got this little Jesus doll. <laughs> so when we were in Israel. She was Facetiming us, and she had Jesus. She had her Jesus doll next to her. I said, "I said, how's Jesus today?" <laughs> Romans twelve nine through twenty one says, "Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor evil." Cleave to which is good. Be kind and affectionate one to another. Did you hear me? Be kind and affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another above yourself. How can I come and serve you today? How can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I show affection to you? How can I show kindness to you? Not just come in, get what I can get and run out of here because I got things to do. That's not the body of Christ. That's not a family. We don't want kids just get up, eat the food and run out. Come on parents, you with me on that? Come in, just come in, eat up everything and leave plates and run out of here like they, no, 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 no. What can you do to be kind, to be affectionate, to be loving, to serve one another? to be a part of what the church is doing, to be a part of what your family's doing. Your family, all, the, all of you women, you should come, you should be a part of this women's, this, this one day, this women's event. Why? Because your family's doing it. That's why. Your family is doing it. It's important that, that you get together with the women and pray. One amen on that. And pray and see, it's not about coming and eating cupcakes. It's, about co- it's not about coming and getting a picture taken in a, in a photo booth. It's about coming together and seeking the presence of God as women. Because in the last day, saith God, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. It's about coming together and calling down the presence of God as women. Well, I'm busy. Well, who's not busy? This is once a year. Make it a priority. This is what I'm trying to say. The the great achievement of your life is his presence, is a community of faith. All the stuff you're running after is all going to be burned up because he's a consuming fire. Only what you do for God counts. Well, I don't care as long as I'm in heaven. Trust me, when that day comes, you're going to care. When that day comes, all the things that you put your time into and effort into are not gonna matter and you're going to regret it. There is a reward coming. Come on, somebody say amen. There is a day of reward coming. Verse 11. Don't be slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In what? Serving the Lord. Is that on there? In what? Serving the Lord. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing in what? Steadfast prayer. If you don't get up in the morning and give the first of your day to God, something's wrong. I'm just telling you, something's wrong. As a believer, you need to go to God and say, God, forgive me for not giving you the first of my day. Because some of you need to pray two, three, four hours to be like Jesus. I have to pray almost four hours to be like Jesus. If not, I'm not like Jesus. I'm like me. Well, it's not, about, it's not about how long. It's just about frequency. Does that count in relationships? I don't think so. You're going to have a marriage where you pop in for 15 minutes every day? No, time does matter. How do you spell love? T I M E. Well, it's just about, as long as I spend 10 minutes with the Lord every day. No, no, no. Spending 10 minutes with God is about as equivalent as you working out 10 minutes a day. We can't tell, and no one else can either. You can't tell, and no one else can tell. You need to find out how much you need to pray till you're like Jesus, and you'll know it because your wife will tell you, you're like Jesus. Your husband will tell you, you're like Jesus. Your kids will tell you, oh my gosh, you're like Jesus. People need to tell you, you are like Jesus and not like you. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Continuing in steadfast prayer. This is the cross. And prayer begins with an invitation from God. I know you think that you're the source of prayer and prayer begins with you, but prayer really doesn't begin with you. Prayer begins with an invitation from the Lord. That's where prayer begins. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Come on, Revelation three twenty. If any man will open the door, I will come in. Some of y'all are hitting the snooze button over the knock. Putting work over top of the knock. praying is the Lord's invitation. And to deny him of that is to deny his feelings because he is a person. He wants to spend time with you. And we've got to get this down in our heart because the only thing that's really going to change this generation is the presence of God. See, our our nation's definition of love is self-love. I'm just go ahead and teach you some things that nobody else will teach you. Our nation's definition of love is self-love. Love yourself. Express yourself. LGBTQ, homosexuality, transsexual. Express yourself, self-love. What a narcissistic way to define reality. And this is a demonic antichrist goal to pervert and change the definition of love. And in our world, the most courageous thing, in our current world where we live, the most courageous thing you can do is be gay. That's what they tell you. This is the most courageous thing you can do as a young person is be gay. We need to celebrate you being gay. They they tell you it's courageous to be gay, not courageous to sacrifice your life for someone else. This is crazy. That's why we have more gay flags in our nation than American flags. You got churches who have gay flags out front and not crosses anymore. And they've made the emblem of love a flag. I thought the emblem of love was a cross. And in the condition of our nation, we think pride is a virtue, not humility. Our definition of love as a nation is self-love and self-love is narcissism. You don't need to love yourself anymore. You actually need to get over yourself. Let me just tell you, you need to get over yourself. You need to sacrifice yourself. Our nation pays to abort babies, to kill babies. You want to save them? You're on your own because it is a religion and you don't really move from not having a religion, you just replace religion, one religion with another religion. So we've replaced Christianity with an LGBTQ um, a cultic religion. And love is a spiritual sacrament of our culture. They've made love a, a spiritual sacrament and gender expression, the religious ritual of our time. This is a religion hear me young people. This is a religion. They've replaced the cross with a flag and they worship and dance openly and parade openly. This is a religion and Christianity has become blasphemy and the Bible has become sacrilegious. And if you uh, believe that homosexuality homosexuality is a sin, that is considered the unforgivable sin. And if you say anything about it, you're labeled a racist, a homophobic, because LGBTQ sex religion is a cultic religion by nature. And it is rising aggressively, and its purpose is to dismantle and destroy Christianity. And they want to move from the tolerance of LGBTQ to the celebration of LGBTQ plus ABCDE. Number one, I don't tolerate sin. Number two, don't tell me what to celebrate. Tolerance eventually becomes celebration. And we had a generation before us that tolerated, tolerated, tolerated. Whatever you tolerate, the next generation will celebrate. And the question is, what is love? And so many people believe that when they say, Uh, love that they believe in tolerating sin. But what they mean is they want to call the love of God wickedness, calling darkness light. They want to call sin love. And John describes it himself as the one whom Jesus loved In John 15, 12, and 13, the cross is the symbol of love. Did you hear what I said? The cross is a symbol of love. The cross is the symbol of love. This is my commandment, that ye love one another. No greater love hath any man than this, and he lay down his life for his friends. The world is screaming, love is love. But Jesus is saying, I am love." Jesus died for all of you to show you his love. For God so the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love is not a feeling of dopamine that makes you feel good. Love is a decision that makes you do good. Love is not sexual attraction. Love is self-denial. Love is not about you. Love is about others. Love is an intentional decision. That's why love is not love, God is love. Jesus is the definition of love. The cross is the definition of love. And that's why we have a whole new pagan religion symbolized. And we have people dancing in the streets and LGBTQ sex religion is now a pagan religion God created you to worship him, love people, and use sex. But this LGBTQ sex religion makes you love self, use people, and worship sex. How did we get to this point where people feel like they really don't love themselves enough? Really? You really don't love yourself enough. The real problem with the human condition is people love themselves too much. People, people naturally are wicked and selfish. I know you think you're just the most generous, kind person naturally, but you're not. Nor am I. That's why one of your first words was probably mine. I just went to Israel and we saw... Civilization after civilization after civilization that built, used millions of slaves to build monuments to themselves. People who were murdered, millions of people just so they could build a name for themselves, an image of themselves. People are not naturally good. People are not naturally kind and loving and generous. They're like that because of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of them. Second like Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, but you need to be aware that in the final days the culture of society will become extremely first. People fierce, people will be self-centered lovers of themselves. We live in a world where people are consumed with self-love. You just need to love yourself more. You just need to love yourself more. You need to love yourself more. You need to love yourself more. Jesus never said for you to love yourself so you can love others. (laughs) Nowhere in this book does it say, if you love yourself enough, you'll be able to love others. We live in a world that is filled with narcissistic self-love. And this is the sign of the last day, that they will become obsessed with lovers of themselves, obsessed with money. They will boast about great things, strut around in their arrogant pride. They will mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful, malicious slander. Slaves to the desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of all that is good and right that's why the church is scared people are scared to stand up for what is right because of the hate with brutal treachery they will act without resistance bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit they will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of loving god They pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with him or his power. Stay away from people like these. Self-love is narcissism because self-love is not really about love. It's about loving yourself. Love should not be about loving you. It should be about loving others. Love is not about sexual attraction. Love is about sacrificing for someone else. Love is not about about what you desire. Love is about what someone else desires. Love is about sacrifice and to die to yourself. To love is to die so someone else might live. This is the story of the gospel, that God so loved the world that he gave his life for us. And when enough people go along with a lie, you end up in cultural deception. A cultural delusion. When you've got perverted men dressing like women and drag queens and and they, and they walk around in front of little children and teach them about sex and we call it tolerance and diversity. We used to call it pedophilia. Why would you dress up like a woman and dance around little, every single, every normal man in this house knows that that's not normal. It's not normal. And no man would ever want to be a woman. Can I get an amen from some men in the room? We are glad to be men. And it's a moment of cultural narcissism. Hear me, hear me good, I'm almost done. We live in a world of cultural narcissism and self-love. And in a culture that is obsessed with self-love, it's funny how Jesus did not call you to love yourself. Jesus called you to deny yourself. Jesus said in Matthew, if you wanna be my disciple, deny yourself, not love yourself. In a culture that's obsessed with loving yourself, the gospel says deny yourself. The gospel is not about self-expression. The gospel is about self-denial. So it's not about yourself being worshiped, it's about yourself being surrendered. Your sexual identity is not to be worshiped, but to be given back to God. Since God created you, he is the one who has the full authority to tell you what ought to be done. How can self be the problem and the answer? Well, the problem is myself. Well, you just need to love yourself. How can, how can it be the problem and the solution? How can they answer the people feeling bad about themselves be themselves? Jesus did not say love yourself. So you can love others. Jesus did not say love yourself so you'll be able to love others. He said love others as you love yourself. So the implication is you already love you. And the world is saying you need to love yourself more. No, you don't need to love yourself more. You already love you. That's why he said you need to learn how to love others, like you love you. Woo, Jesus. The Bible says, no man hateth his own flesh, but nourishes it and protecteth it and cherisheth it, so ought husbands to do for their wives. Read it in Ephesians 5. The assumption that Jesus gave is that you already love yourself, that you need to learn how to love others. And when you get over yourself and when you understand how selfish you are, you become sacrificial. And when you realize how unloving you are, you become loving. Self-love is not love. Self-love is not loving. Self-love is spiritual narcissism. And all this mental health crisis is a result of self-love because you you are the problem. And the world's telling you, you have no problem. Our world is telling young people that when you have a problem, you're not the problem. Everything around you is the problem. So they spend their life trying to fix everything around them and not themselves. But Jesus came to deal with you 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 are the problem i am the problem and the world is telling you you're not the problem just love yourself everything else is the problem that's why you got a whole generation of young people trying to fix everything but themselves and they're triggered by everything and the more they self-love the more they self-hate do you know if your children are gay, they have, they, they say they're, they're gay, they have a three-time more likely chance of suicide. If they're transsexual, it's 15 times. Suicide's already the third leading cause of death amongst teenagers in our state. And then the world saying, oh, you're gay, so it's three times more? Oh, well, they're, they're more likely to commit suicide because of Christians. No, Christianity's been around for 2,000 years. And you know what they've been doing for 2,000 years? Killing Christians. That's a lie. The solution is not self love, the solution is God's love. Because the more they self love, the more they self hate. The more they self love, the more mental health conditions they have, the more they self love, the more depressed they are, the more anxious they are, the more suicidal they are, because the solution is not self love, the solution is God's love, the antidote to self hatred and self rejection is God's love. God's love is enough to heal you, restore you, change you, transform you. Maybe you need to try God's love instead of self-love. And the problem, maybe why you can't love yourself is because you need the love of God inside of you to be given to you in the first place so that you can love others. it's not just about walking through time Well, i've been through this i've been through that time doesn't heal jesus heals did you hear what i said time will not heal you jesus heals you of your past how many people have had jesus heal you of your past come on somebody if not you're just going to become more grumpy more angry over the years that's why they don't call it grumpy young men they call it grumpy old men well, pastor, this this could be really offensive. This could be, you know, I just don't know. You might offend somebody. Nowhere in this Bible do the disciples write about being concerned about offending somebody. They never went into a city and said, let's not say it like that. Because, you know, the Corinthians might not like it. You know, let, 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 let's, 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 just, let's just water it down so we don't offend people, so more people will come to our church. There is no attendance goal in this church, just so you know. It's not, it's not a part of the vision items. There's no goal. We're never gonna be like, if there's 50, if there's 10, if there's one, there will at least be 10, because I got eight kids. <laughs> There's no attendance goal. Like, we're not trying to build a crowd. Like, we, we're not, we're not, we're not, I'm not up here hoping I don't offend you. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, don't say it like that. Because, you know, you don't wanna offend somebody. None of the disciples ever cared if they offended people. They told them the truth and let the dust land where it may. God does not need our help, God needs our death. You can't offer people anything more shiny than Jesus. There's nothing, there's nothing more beautiful in the world that we have to offer people. Than Jesus, what is it? A building we're gonna impress you with? What is it? Some thing we got to give you? There's nothing shinier in the world than His presence, than Him. Come on, somebody, than Him. And it's time in our church where we walk into the things that God has for us, and God's getting ready to call a lot of you and to do things that you're not, you don't feel like you can do. The Lord is not as glorified when you step into something that you're naturally equipped to do. He's more glorified when you step into something that you're not naturally equipped to do. And his strength is made perfect in your weakness. It's about prayer. I'll end with this, it's about prayer. And I'm gonna be leading our church more and more in prayer. God spoke to me the other day when I was in prayer and he just said, Jonathan, prayer can do anything God can do. He says, God can do anything, prayer can do anything. We want God to do things, but we don't wanna pray. Prayer can do anything God can do. Prayer can do anything God can do. The prayer. Acts 6, one through four, says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, and arose complaints, people started complaining, in the Hellenists, because the widows were neglected by the daily distribution. When the 12 summoned the multitude of disciples They said it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. You needed the Holy Spirit to serve tables in the New Testament church. To be an usher in the New Testament, you had to be full of wisdom, full of good rapport and full of the Holy Ghost. I think their ushers in the New Testament would destroy some preachers today. Full of prayer, full of the Holy Spirit. And we need to give ourselves to prayer and to the Word of God. I'm committing more than ever, as we see the day of the Lord approaching, to give myself more to prayer than anything. More to his presence. And I don't know, when you dream up the perfect pastor, when you dream up the perfect staff member, I don't know what you think about. It's not, this isn't about me, but I think God is moving us to a culture shift, a church shift, a pressure shift. But when you think about the ideal pastor or the ideal church person, what, what comes to mind? They call me once a week, they shake my hand at the door, they know my name, they know the name of all my kids, they show up at my kids' baseball game, They're always there for me if I need anything. They're my counselor, they dedicate my babies, weddings, funerals, they're always on call, they stack chairs, they pray with the team before church and after church, they serve food and clean it up and if they don't, they're prideful. When we think of what we want from Christian leaders, I think what we need to consider is number one, are they a person of prayer? And do they love the word of God? Because I don't care if they ever shake my hand as long as they bring the bread of heaven and they unlock the treasures of the kingdom in my heart. When Jesus asked Peter, he said, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, no, listen to me. He said, do you love me, Peter? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. He didn't say, go perform a list of tasks. He said, fall in love with my presence and fall in love with my word. I think visitors would rather have their marriage healed than a $5 gift card to Starbucks. I think I think of, and I'm not against it, we've done it all. We've done it all, but at the end of the day, I think what people want more than anything The touch of his presence. I need you to heal my body. I need you to heal my home. I got my teenagers. I feel like I'm losing them, or my kids. I'm losing them, or my marriage. I'm losing them. I do not need to be entertained. I need his touch, I need his presence. I need to feel his love. And these young people, more than ever, this next generation, more than ever, they're looking for a move of God. They're looking for something that's authentic and genuine, and it comes when a church decides to call out to God in prayer. This house will never be a house of prayer until this house is a house of prayer. To get some out of this today hey if this sermon bless you and your family I want to encourage you to be a truth partner you can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world it is our truth partners that make this a reality again thank you for subscribing to our channel thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.